Hello and welcome to the Lost Hour Podcast. I'm Gar and I'm here with... Paul. That's him. Otherwise known as Helmet. Yeah. Still not having it. Uh, I've caught you out a few times. You I've have. You today. Well, yeah, and you will continue to catch me out. But, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, this week we're doing one that we Ugh. talked about from the very, very start. Ugh. A very difficult one. Ugh. So what we are doing is we were doing uh, best songs ever. Ever? Question mark as in. Yeah. And this will be absolutely volume one. 100% this is volume one. Uh, of 70 million volumes. Of, of forever. <laughs> Forever's <laughs> worth of uh, of songs. So I think when we were building this, like we chopped and changed an awful lot. Jesus, yeah. I like, mean, I had one or two that stayed in from the start. Mm. Then other ones where I went, you know what? It's very difficult to know how to build this list. Favorite yeah. is one, best yeah. is another. Yeah, does it have to be? There's definitely a difference between favorite and best. Also, trying to remember that although you've worn yeah. a song out, it still is the better one, mm. and you can't just go, "Oh, well, I want to pick something a little bit more different for that." That's not what this was. Yeah, for. we're not. We're not trying to be cool here. We're just. Yeah, this is our some, list. Some of mine look. I mean, there's a couple in there that people won't expect. It was mine. Other mine looks like, Jesus, it's a bit looks vanilla as fuck. But in a way listen if you're into music a lot of these will be standards yeah realistically uh, I think a few of these might be songs that people absolutely know Definitely. but don't know who it is or anything about it yeah maybe you know I or think, just disagree and and they're therefore wrong yeah quite possibly quite possibly I mean th- again it's music it's completely and utterly made up like what's good and what's you mean bad it's subjective not even subjective. Yeah, it is and it isn't. Like, <laughs> no, it's uh, what's good and what's bad doesn't really exist. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, that's why Spice Girls can sell out 80,000 people in a stadium. And a good they sold out to people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but And then like a band that we would consider to be shit hot would struggle to get 100 people into a, sm- into a tiny room. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is just, unfortunately... Such is music. The way it go. Okay, so, without further ado... Palmet, <laughs> tell me, what is your first choice of best songs ever? The first one is possibly, possibly the best song of all time. A Day in the Life by the Beatles. She 1967. Ha. To be fair. Pe- best song of Sgt. Pepper, which is probably my second favourite, if not favourite. Revolver is mine, I think. Revolver is most people's favourite. Yeah, I, uh, it's just a killer. The White Album and Sgt. Pepper's are ahead of that for me. Yeah. But a day in the life. Oh, Jesus. It's so good. It's the ultimate Lennon McCartney song as well because yeah. they both wrote, well, they did that a lot, but they both wrote songs together, but this is one where they wrote two different songs. Yes. That were never supposed to really jam, well, jam, jam what, together. Well, I, I was listening to this again today. Obviously, fucking, I know this song inside now, but I wanted, today I wanted to have a little refresher course of these yeah. songs. As you said, they're worn out. You know, the wheels are rotten on them it's almost uncool to mention them in, your, in the best songs of all time exactly. but like I said favourite and best are very very different. are different so I was listening to this today and this is one of those big recording studio songs absolutely the recording studio is a, a member a of member. that band and the producer is another yeah. member yeah. yeah this is you can absolutely hear what they're trying to do and like how how you could do something like that live it's one of the most ambitious things. Yeah, it's bananas. You can hear... Oh, how do you do it live now? I don't... We'll do it properly live. You can come up with some bullshit, we just make some noise, we include yeah. the two parts together. and But like they, to get that effect yeah. will be extraordinarily difficult because you can, you can, you can actually like hear and feel and taste the producer's fingerprints on this yeah. where they presented him with a load of this just gobbledygook fucking mad music. Yeah. And he went, fucking hell, lads, and started scratching his head. Yeah. And said, but not just that, they went, after <coughs> it was done, they were giving them more, like, we want this and we want this. And they were like, oh, yeah. how? How, yeah, exactly. It's 1960-odd. Yeah. We've got fucking four, tra- four tracks to work with. I love the story. I've read a lot of stories about people who were in and around the studio at that time, and they pulled them in and go, check this out. Yeah. And they were saying, this is it. This is the biggest change in music. It's gonna, things are going to change after this song. This is madness. But genius madness. Mm, it's a weird one. It's. I was listening to it on headphones today, and when I listened to it on headphones, I forgot. I forgot how to experience that kind of later Beatles stuff via headphones because 
it, it was around that era everybody started going mad for stereo and yeah. it's not the stereo that we know and love now yeah it's that batshit mad like somebody singing in your right ear and there's yeah. just a drum kit in your left ear and they're having the best of crack squirrel behind it's, you yeah exactly it's just mayhem like the panning is absolutely outrageous yeah. like, it's well, all that's why they released didn't they release a mono version yeah, of them yeah. all as well for, for the purists that, to be honest with you I would be more leaning towards mono versions of songs that are super heavy panned. Yeah, uh, I get you. I feel like... Do you think it's going to be overly... Uh, well, if you stuck it on vinyl now... If you stuck it on just a, pair of, a good pair of speakers in a room, you'd be, uh, be probably fine. be fine. Yeah, it's it just on headphones. I know, it can it be a works. bit overwhelming. You, sometimes <coughs> you, you want to listen to a song rather than be in a scenario. Yes. In the middle of an episode of You're the Beatles. You're attacked, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Jesus, man, this song... I mean, lyrically, it's grand... He's reading, he's, <coughs> Lennon starts off talking about stuff in the newspaper. It's, it's about the heir to the Guinness throne. Yeah. Tara Brown. Tara Brown it is, yeah. Um, loosely at the start. I think they were friends. He was definitely mates with McCartney mm. and Lennon kind of knew him. And he was just plodding along on the piano coming up the lyrics and the newspaper was in front of him. That's and it. That's, he just that's just free forming and just, yeah. Mad. Um, your man who he sings it about was actually his brother was a founding member of the Chieftains. Really? Yeah, so the Guinness family. Well, they're not the Guinness family. They're yeah. just the Browns and whatever after that since then. Interesting. Yeah, I found that mad. The, you know, the start of the song is beautiful. Yeah. It's just sonically sounds like yep. nothing. Well, now, yeah, can do that, all that now. Now. But now, at the time, you're going along in this and, I mean, that could have been the whole song. Yeah. Realistically, yeah, and we get and that big to... kind of wavy kind of crescendo that builds yeah. up. Like that, I always felt it went on too long. It's just a little bit too long for me, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm alright. Maybe it's because I'm used to it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But it just you're waiting for the you're waiting for the boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, and you're like, oh no, another, all right, okay. and then another couple yeah. of seconds of this. But then Paul McCartney's yeah. own song within a song yeah. comes out, and it's pure McCartney, outrageous, yeah. and it almost it's such a tonal shift. Yeah. Jesus, it doesn't happy little bouncy thing. It doesn't com- it doesn't really complement yeah. the other song at no, all, the, the, but it all works. It just perfect. works. There's, uh, there's, we we talked about this today. There's definitely a theme in a lot of the tracks that we picked, where they seem to be multi-part songs. Yeah, where they are that like each part could most certainly be its own song, yeah. but somehow, some way, they figured out a way of gluing these together. And they just work. I think some of the best songs of all time are now to be the ones that are have many parts or shift in it. And alone my, my ones just naturally are because I love that idea of that. Yeah. Songs yeah. within songs, yeah. different parts to the songs in the songs. Yeah. But um, Day in the Life is one of the most ambitious songs of all times. It's groundbreaking, absolutely groundbreaking. They He wanted a 90-piece orchestra for the end of it. And they were like, well, it can't be done. So there's obviously overdubs. Yeah. We didn't realize until recently that Mick Jagger, Marianne Faithful, Keith Richards and stuff like that are in there. Vocally. Really? Yeah, they're in part of the Just choir. Just floating around the studio exactly, or whatever, yeah. jump in. Or they probably called them. They were like, yeah. But, uh, oh, Jesus, man. It's really hard to know what else to say about that song. This is one of those ones you listen to and go, yeah. Again, this, this song and uh, Eleanor Rigby, for me, are, they're related they're closely related. They'd be my top two, probably, yeah, as for well. me. The, yeah. the songs that don't actually sound like Beatles songs, you know what I mean? Uh, there's, there's a couple of other... Uh, I love the Beatles, but there's the eras... The era the of... The live era each, and the studio era. Yeah. Where like, they stopped playing live. I can't, I can't really do the Mersey B era. Of, not really. It's not really there's a few. Me. There's a few genius yeah. uh, blueprints for pop music in there. Absolutely. But I'd like never listen to it again. Stuff like that, yeah. I'd never listen to it again, you know? Well, yeah... I, I swap and change, but I'm always going to go back to the drugs Beatles, the studio yeah, Beatles. Yeah, give me, give me out of the fucking mind Beatles. Give yeah, me that. Yeah, absolutely. All the money in the world, all the fucking drugs in the world, all yeah. the studio time in the world, and all the freedom in the world. Yeah. They do whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah. And that's when you you got to see raw creativity that yeah. wasn't being moulded. They weren't playing live. No. No no tours. No. Going to the studio every day. Yeah. Probably nearly killing each other half the time. More than likely. They're probably just going in and, right, it's, it's Paul's week. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Like, you know what's you know what's mad? One of the things I noticed when listening to this song, people used to piss on Ringo Starr, mm-hmm. right? Now, Ringo Starr might be a kind of bog-standard 4-4 tempo keyboard drummer for most of that stuff. You listen to his drum work on that song, it's bananas. I think he was I got a bum deal in general. I know that what people are saying, but he is a huge part of the Beatles sound, yeah. so therefore... 
When I was walking around today with those headphones on, you can hear him. He does these like feels, but he does them in weird little kind of triplets where they shouldn't, they shouldn't be fitting. Yeah. And he's just he's sonically adding his own little rolls and thumps and bangs in to the like like musically. There's parts of it that are just simple, like we're yeah. saying, just dum 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 dum, and, and the boys just start jamming along with it, or whatever. But the drums start doing these weird rolls and thumps and stops and yeah. fills that keep the song bouncy. And keep it tapping away where we even know. There is a lot, it. obviously, of other percussion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Song, but yeah. I know what you mean. I think that's. But there's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. A lot going on. I worry about people. I worry about them. I don't really trust people to say they hate the Beatles. I'm like, really, with the vast catalogue and different styles of music, you hate all the Beatles. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a weird thing to say. It's crazy. It's too like, wild and varying. Beatles own a huge section of music in general yep. Yep. like like they own a certain like do you know what I mean there's every there's loads of types of music in there so people like me and you I know loads of people go I fucking hate the jangly jingly Mersey B Beatles that's yep. fair I hate the drug stuff I, I prefer the fucking pop music ground but if you can't find a song or if, if you can't find 10 songs yeah. the Beatles in their yeah. catalog do you know, like, an issue I don't really trust yeah. your judgement on music in general true I know that sounds kind of shitty now if you hate both of their voices you're again you're wrong about that as well who's your next one it was your first one actually my first one is possibly my favourite song of all time Ever. And I forgot about it, and then I rediscovered it about five years ago. And it's a uh, begging by the Four Seasons. Frankie Valley in the first fucking. Later man. was Frankie Valley in the first oh, season. Oh, right. At the very, very start, it was just a. He, he Noel Rogers then. He Noel Rogers yeah, it, did he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was originally just. It was originally he just the Four Seasons. Yeah. That was 1967. Oh, what a song. Um, so, yeah, it was originally just the Four Seasons, seven inch. And, uh, yeah, it's. One of my favourite intros to a song. It's just... The, before it even kicks yeah. off. Oh, I can't even... Again, like Chill. that last one, how do you describe the sonic movement that is begging by the Four Seasons? Like, Frankie Valli's vocals are just bananas. Yeah. They're bananas. He's all over the place in it. Lyrically, it's insane. It's just about him being an absolute fucking dope and trying to get his life together about everything is shit. It's it's yeah. like an anthem for 2019 is what it is. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just... When I was young, I thought I was thick. Well, I was young. Young mm. and thick. They can go hand in hand. I thought Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons were black. They sounded. Sounded in they the did. right era. Yeah. Then the more I thought about Valli's 100% in Italian. 100%. Itali- yeah, Italian exactly. name. But yeah, he's that song, yeah, 1967, um, was written by Bob Gordo and Peggy Farina, I think. And uh, that same combo wrote their the Four Seasons' first ever number one, uh, Sherry. That's a great song as well. Yeah, um, that was their first number one. That this is from an era. This is, I was only talking about this the other day. This is from an era where a lot of albums had like the worst names imaginable. Yeah. Right? So like they used to be. They, what was the one I was reading the other day? Oh, oh, I can't, oh, I can't even remember. But it was the the album was called. It was the title of the lead single. So let's say the t- lead single is called Bottle of Beer. Yeah. Right? The album's called Bottle of Beer and Eleven More. You oh, I mean? right. yeah, yeah. Like, this is from that type of era. The, the name of this other, album... And other stories. Yeah, the name of this album, this is like a, like a new album, and the album's called New Gold Hits. Do you know what I mean? Ballsy. It sounds like a best of, and it was their new album. New Gold Ballsy. Hits. It's like Trav and Gristle's 20 Jazz Greats. Yeah. That was, that was 20 Jazz like, Greats. Out of nowhere. Like, just uh, no album names, just... Yeah, the four seasons present twelve songs. <laughs> See you now. See you now. But yeah, that that that's. I have a couple of other favorite four seasons and Frankie Valli songs. It's, it's hard to kind of distinguish between the two. You like the night as well. The night is outrageous. Yeah. Uh, Dawn is outrageous. It, it depends on where you want to go. Um, which like the Beatles is a pop era, and there's kind of this weird big band um, era. It's almost like a ballroom big band era. It's it's weird. Like Began has this. Began has this. Real sad, yeah, upbeat feel to it because everyone had to be upbeat because they want the people to dance. If that song was recorded now, it would be the saddest song in the history of the world. It's basically a suicide song, you know. Yeah. But because people were making songs for the kids to dance in yeah. this era, everyone had to be up tempo. Everyone had to be four four. Everyone had to be a major key. <laughs> there was no. You can imagine song. on paper it would look a lot different. Yeah. The song looks a lot mm-hmm. different on paper than it does. <laughs> well, that's my that's my uh, that's my first choice of, of the evening, and uh, yeah. again, I think I think it's most certainly if it's not one of your favorite slash best songs of all time, it, I think it deserves to be up there. Yeah, it's just gold. It's, a, sol- it. it's a solid gold hit. Tell me, 
They, well, they said it, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. When they what, released it. What's your next one? Fascination Street by The Cure. Outrageous. Another incredible album. Arguably in the top, my top, it isn't, not arguably, it's in my top five albums. Yeah. But arguably the best album of all time. It's not mine. I think. Joint. Joint. Let's call so it a joint. favourite, I'm thinking. Get very mixed up. Yeah. Fasc- Fascination Street. Jesus Fascination Street is, is, is bananas. I, again, I only re-listened to it again today and it's got that, it's got that beautiful uh, cure thing that they do where they, they, they rely on the bass. It's a really bass-driven song, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so eerie. Yeah. The start of it is eerie and yeah. creepy. And again, it's got different parts to it that all had this kind of build-up to them and yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So this was like... This was him going, oh shit, we're too popular. Yeah. And the music's a little bit happy and I don't feel happy, therefore... Look at me. I'm on loads of drugs. Yeah. I'm going to go to the studio and I'm going to go back to the pornography era of... Not not pornography, like yeah. the, the album pornography for yeah. those that don't He's like not your, just wanking in yeah, the microphone. Wanking. Yeah. Even though that would sound good, though, probably. Probably him. I reckon it would. Have a cool little rhythm to it. Yeah. He was apparently a moody bastard, big prick for this whole album. But, oh, but really? turns out he was saying that that's the vibe he wanted to create. The band were sort of falling apart mm. at that stage. He was, you know, actually miserable. Not just, this, not just not fake Robert miserable. Smith miserable. But actual. Yeah. So this comes along. It has the Smith. Robert keeps on the Smith. Robert Smith. Robert Smith. <laughs> the Cure. Yeah. We're going to kind of doing a lot of psychedelic kind of production, and this mm. has a little bit of that. The more you listen to it, it has some psychedelic kind of feels to it. There's a feel, wishy washy yeah. sound of the the drums and stuff like that. You'll hear in it, but um, I just like obviously Disintegration is one of my favorite albums of mm. all time. It's hard to pick a song from it, but this is the one that stands out. If I had to pick, get someone to listen to a Cure song, I'd be like, listen to Fascination Street. That bass line just doesn't stop yeah, throughout the whole song. It's constant, yeah. And it's incredible. Your man Simon Gallup has got to be one of my favourite bassists next to John Taylor from Duran Duran. And uh, Jesus Christ. It's just so... It's 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 dark as The Cure. Not as dark as The Cure, yeah, because it's still quite a poppy yeah, song. Yeah. There's uh, a drive to it in there. You can, you yeah. can, hear, you can hear this kind of... I think I said it to you earlier. Again, we're, because the way that bass line is working and holding everything together, the rest of the instruments get to not necessarily do what they want, but they get to deviate a little bit yeah. and fill in the blanks as opposed to just accompanying the bass. Yeah, like, so there's two guitar lines going through the yeah. whole thing because I know from when I used to play this song that the guitar lines are actually more interesting than you would imagine. Yeah, There's a lot of cool stuff going on in it as well. Mm. And the, the build, there's little build-ups in it that... Uh, Jesus, oh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to not get fucking really lamented when you're talking about these songs. It just yeah. brings back all the fucking memories of <laughs> shit like that. No, it is. I don't like. I don't know. I've, I, it's it's an, a song I will always listen to because I'll always have that album on. Yeah. When I don't have that on, if I'm DJing, I'm probably going to play Fascination Street. Uh, when they played it live in Malloyd Castle, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And it just, yeah, seeing it live after all these years again was... It was worth it. Incredible. Worth the whole. So... If you're not a fan of the cure, fuck off. What's your next one? <laughs> uh, my next one is uh, an absolute stomper. It's a uh, mini Ripperton. The song is called Le Fleur. That's great. That's and great it's, song. it's another song that rope a dope so you think it's going to be something else. Yeah, yeah. The chorus yeah. comes in like, oh, yeah. what's this? Where the fuck did yeah, that come yeah. from? That's it's outrageous. That's from, uh, mm, she lived from 1947 to 1979. And uh, it's, her history is outrageous. It's outrageous. Really? Yeah, it's it's real fucked up. She started off as like a, a backing singer. And she was a backing up, a backing singer for like Etta James, Bo Diddley, Chuck Berry, Muddy Waters. She's so range on her. Yeah, she was known as the queen of the whistle register. Because right? she did the Loving You. Yeah, yeah, that's her most famous song. Uh, Loving You was produced by Stevie Wonder, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, that's, uh, she was known as the queen of the whistle, whistle register. And I think officially that's known as a five octave Coloruta or Colorata soprano. So it's just that where it sounds like it's breaking. It's just sounds like literally. It's your ears. One above that, your ear won't hear it. Dogs can. Dogs just hear losing it. their fucking minds yeah. all over the planet. Dogs hate Minnie Riverton. <laughs> yeah, but uh, from Chicago originally. Um, that song is off our first our debut album. It's called Come Come Into My Garden. <laughs> well. um, she had this weird band actually. This is fucked up. It's a cool little story. She had this band, and uh, the band were called oh, they're called Rotary uh, Rotary Connection. They were called, and Rotary Connection were Muddy Waters' backing band. Right. And when they weren't touring with Muddy Waters, 
they had fucking Mini Ripperton singing for them and they had a new band called Oh, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Mini Ripperton's backing band no it was, it was a, a band, a band and it. they were right. this weird like psychedelic rock band oh nice yeah I, I, I need to go digging for it but uh, yeah they were called Rotary Connection it was Muddy Waters band when they went on tour with Muddy Waters they had another group we were called Rotary Connection they like Funkadelic with Parliament yeah exactly they're off doing that thing but yeah they were like uh, this kind of psychedelic rock soul funk kind of thing um, I have to go digging from. They had one, they had one big song that the name of it kind of escapes me that you would probably know. Um, it's been used in a lot of movies and stuff. But uh, that Les Fleur is just, it's been used. Like I've heard that on I think chocolate ads, yeah, ice cream ads, like commercials for insurance. The most recent example of it was, um, oh, it was on some horror movie I watched. Um, the guy who wrote Get Out his new movie Jordan Peele Us yeah Us yeah it's the outro to Us it's right. used in that um, that's the most recent time I've heard it on something kind of commercial um, like a, a movie or a TV show yeah. it's one of those songs being around forever it's it, it sits in the shadow of the song Loving You absolutely it's, it's so much better than Loving infinitely You infinitely superior it, like it is it it's is. leagues ahead of it the reason Leagues I'm glad ahead. it's on this list is because it is a song that gives me those chills yeah oh, that, 100% oh, you know what when it starts if the start of it you can take or leave but it needs to be like that for the once the crashes come the crash, in the, the build up the build up is done to per- perfection ridiculous, ridiculous. The, the build up is so perfect it's one of those songs that like if, if you play in a room full of people which I often do the minute's over you, it's, generally that's my last song in the evening and as a rule the minute that's over you can hear everybody da 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 they're just going around yeah. homing it and whistling it and singing it it's just an absolute earworm and the second crescendo is a bit more intense than the yep. first one, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And the gas thing is, if you listen to that, the start of it, you're thinking the production value of the start of it, about fiver. Yeah. And then when that kicks in, like yep. 10 grand. It yep. instantly ramps up to yep. 10 grand. Because there's nothing in it. There's nothing yeah. in it. There's like this weird kind of, kind of glock and spiel. Yeah, that kind of, yeah. Like a little bit of string. Now and she and sounds like, incredible oh, yeah, yeah. that bit. But she's so restrained at the start of it. Like that must have been, she must have been killing her. When she knows that like, I can make fucking, I can make eagles fall out of the sky yeah. with my voice. So, like, how do we get this just nice and breathy and, like, what's that thing where fucking Lewis Capaldi talked to the microphone about showing them cacks? SMR. That's basically what she's doing. SMR. Yeah, exactly. But, like, you can tell how, like, restrained she is at the start of that song. And if that's the first time you ever heard her singing, she doesn't, it's only once or twice she gets into that big peak, that big range. But because it's not based around that range, the song is better for it. Like yeah. There are other songs where it's just, Jesus Christ, like, like yeah. in hyperspace listening to yeah, it. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I know you know, where it's like a gimmick, almost. Yeah. This isn't used as a gimmick. This is used for the, 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 the beef of the song, you know. I sometimes finish the ad set with that. If it's not that, it's Angel of the Morning by Juice mm. Newton, which, again, has a similar sort of feel yeah. to it with that big, just massive chorus. Yeah. Massive thumping. Just huge. Just, Monstrous. Anyway, that was uh, Mini Ripperton. What's yeah. your next one? A little song called Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Smelly Teen Spirit. I can already hear people skipping ahead in yeah. the podcast, to be yeah. perfectly honest with you. Mm. But I was, I, I, I'm actually dying to hear you talk about this one. It is one of the best. It's possibly the best rock song of all time. Mm-hmm. I think. I'm nodding. It, yeah, I'm he's nodding. Not, not, I'm nodding. not in agreement. I'm nodding on the podcast. This is Kurt Cobain wanting to write a pop, poppy song. Uh, as if he was in the Pixies, who he loved, massively loved the Pixies. Mm-hmm. He wanted to write a song in the style of the Pixies, so this is it. Now, we all know that the riff is Boston. more than a feeling yep. by Boston, but sort of... Sort of faster. Faster and more, <laughs> aggr- and more aggressive. And it doesn't... I don't think it, I don't think it naturally sounds like it's... If someone says it to you... It's, like, well, oh, yeah, it's yeah. pointed out to you. It's pointed yeah. out to you, yeah, obviously, yeah, but yeah. initially, I don't think you get that instant vibe off it. When this song came out first, it wasn't... It was the one that obviously launched Nirvana massively. Yeah. When it first came out, it had a few weeks where it was not doing much. And then the radio just caught it. Bang. Yeah. Everyone was into it. People that like pop music were into it. People that like jazz was into it. This is just a huge, massive It was a phenomenon. Yeah. It really was a phenomenon. Yeah. I, I remember, like, I would have been one of those Nirvana kids. 100%. Um, I had seen Bleach doing the rounds, but I didn't know anything about it. Mm. But it was... Most, I don't think it would have even registered with me at the time. Like, Bleach, I, maybe. I think I knew, I think I'd heard fucking 
about a girl or something yeah. somewhere somebody played me something off bleach but it never talked to me because at that time there's a lot of bands like that yeah it's one of those ones you go back to and go oh <coughs> yeah <coughs> but yeah Jesus Christ when uh, when that album came out when Nevermind came out it was the end of everything there was nothing nothing was ever going to be the same again for music oh. ever again um, I, I, there are songs I prefer on that album other than this but this song is perfect you see I don't know if there is I think now there is but this is the way I think about this whole podcast. Mm. If if imagine none of these songs were released, and we found a CD with all these songs on it, yeah, yeah. and you realise, oh shit, that's a Nirvana song. Yeah. That's their best song. Yeah. You think at the time, yeah. it's hard to know whether they've been washed mm. and blow dried and redoed in your mind all this all this yeah. amount of time but throughout th- the years. Th- this is the juggle between best and favourite. Again, it's if you want the Nirvana Spotify. Like, Cash Money, that's number one, right? So it's definitely the most popular. It is. Right? There are songs that suit my particular musical taste better, even on that album. But I have to give it to you that Smells Like Teen Spirit is just... It's put together perfectly. It's recorded perfectly. There's not a single wasted moment in it. Yeah, there's not. every single note and scream is iconic. Yeah. Like... There's a reason why you could go to your grandmother's funeral and play that song and everybody would still tap their foot. First of all, Even because... your grandmother. Exactly. she just jump up, do yeah. a little dance. But it's, it's like the way Metallica aren't metal anymore. Right? I know what you mean. They become a stadium rock with metal, obviously, in there. And they are... Yeah, I know what you mean. Like... They transcend it all. Exactly. Like, At the time, yeah. there was people putting their hands over their ears going, what's this fucking choice? What's well, this? That, that's... Like, there was a huge part of that about this song... A lot of radio stations are going, I don't want to play because I don't know what you're saying. I don't want to play something where I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Some of it does sound unintelligible. It is. And just, you can't decide from what he's saying. And I'll there be was a lot of, uh, There was a lot of people that even when the reviews were saying, listen, it sounds like a great song. I couldn't tell you because I don't know what he's saying. Yeah. Who fucking cares mm-hmm. what he's saying? I think the lyrics are kind of, they're always a mishmash of whatever is in his notebook at yeah. the time. Yeah. And although... They are the whole. All the lyrics are based on contradictions. Actually, if you read them out, yeah. and even though you might be able to not grasp exactly what the fuck he's talking about, mm. the lyrics are all brilliant and they fit together so perfectly. Mm. War, just war, just phonetically, like, just like, whatever way it's words it's as sounds like as an exactly, instrument. Yeah. Like the voice as an instrument. Yeah, which which loads of lead singers do that. Don't oh, really absolutely. F- now he, I know he wrote poems about that. Mm. And this would have been in his, like I said, in his notebook. Yeah. But it just still comes together absolutely perfectly. Could I tell you what he's thinking about? Really? A lot of it, probably. But like there's, there's bits of it that are just lost, yeah. A lot of it is the mood of... 100%. And I don't think... Jesus, it's hard to pick another song that encompassed the feeling of kids at that stage. Yeah, 100%. That, that was, Generation like, X. That was the... Anthem. standard planted yeah. you know of that that movement that happened you know like yeah. we would have been of the age where when that was kicking in like and that video was on MTV and would show up on whatever television show you're, yeah. you're watching like it, it was never turned off and I've been to countless metal gigs I've been to black metal gigs I've been to trash metal gigs the best mosh pits I've ever seen has been at some dance floor that song yeah, yeah. vicious yeah. violent yeah. fucking it's just so, it's pumped. Yeah. And even when people are listening to this, if they haven't listened to it in a while, they're going to go, yeah, this definitely, I think a lot of people think, yeah, that, no, it does have to be on this list. It has to be. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. It's most certainly one of those songs. It smells like Teen Spirit. What's Smelly your next one? Teen Spirit. Right, uh, my next one is Quicksand by David Bowie. It's a brilliant song. Very, very good. What do you do? What do you do? He has bigger <laughs> songs. Yeah. Are they better? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this sums everything up about Bowie. Uh, this is your capsule of Bowie. Yeah, it? yeah. Um, there are songs that are more popular. There are songs that were bigger, uh, more important, so on and so forth. Uh, Bowie's another one of those artists that kind of dipped his toes into a lot of different styles of music and genres. Yeah. Um, I think this is Bowie at his most Bowie. And I think that lyrically, like, lyrically it's, spot on it's all it's about like the occult and it's it's interesting when you listen to it back knowing what he was trying to get at it's a lot of david bowie's songs that weren't about being in fucking space were just nonsense you know you'd only read songs that you could actually follow if it was about going to space 
Or like, if you were on the same drugs he was on. Yeah. Because well, like I'm saying there's a lot of songs written on drugs where it makes perfect sense to them. At the time. They're filling in the blanks to the song that Absolutely. aren't actually happening. Absolutely. And when they're looking at it afterwards, go, fuck it, we're going like, to the studio with it. No. Every, everyone gets checked, name checked in this song from fucking Himmler to Alistair Crowley. Like, it's yeah. just, it's across the board. I, I, I think from what I can make out about it, like, it's definitely an, an occult based song, but it seems to be about dying and gaining the knowledge of the universe. Like all, like all, the answer to everything is waiting behind the veil of death. Yeah, and so he's name checking people that were interested in the occult who tried to pierce the veil of death while alive to gain this knowledge. You know, cheating, cheating. You know, <laughs> so you've got like, stu- like there's references there to like Himmler and like the Nazi occult programs and Alistair Crowley and his kind of. Does he mention you before he was tried to? Rip a hole in the earth with utter shitness with absolute to, see, to see what they were. I think that you before they wanted to see what hell was like. <laughs> Probably. So they did their best <laughs> to see. They they ripped a fucking hole in space the earth. time. Continuum. How how and it's so wrong what they did. <laughs> God, God. I, was, I was actually looking about this, uh, looking at uh, who's covered it over the years. And it's interesting. Uh, Dinosaur Junior have done a cover yeah. of it. Aslan. Aslan do great covers. I don't they care do. what anybody they says. Do. My favourite cover of all time, which we couldn't put on our covers episode. Boyzo. Is Aslan covering Boyzo. <laughs> fucking I'm telling you right now. I still forgot to listen to that. It's fucking outrageous. <laughs> um, Aslan, Aslan. Temple of the Dog covered it as well. Did they? Temple of the Dog covered it. The play, uh, who played on it? Is, Temple of uh, the Dog would have had to do a lot of covers if you think about it. Yeah. They, 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 they were still doing gigs. They still yeah. did the ad. Did they do the ad gig uh, before Chris Cornell? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, the bassist from uh, Uriah Heap played on this. Mm. And uh, Rick Wakeman from Yes. Really? Played piano and keyboards on he it. Ha- Bowie had whatever he wanted, didn't he? But yeah, he just put the call out. Send out the Bowie signal. Come on in and play on my song. <laughs> exactly. Whoever, whoever wanted a, a fucking crack on it. Yeah. Um, got a crack on it. Like, I, I find this song to be... Uh, it's actually Seal covered it as well. Seal covered Did it. He? Yeah, he covered it. We love Seal on this podcast. We, we like a bit of Seal every now and again. Um, this song is just extraordinarily dark for a Bowie song. Yeah. And it's off, uh, it's off Hunky Dory, which is my favourite Bowie album. And Bowie fans will give me fucking grief over that because it's like the one one Bowie album almost, you is know. It? Yeah, it's just one of tell them. them to fuck off. Yeah, you know. Just say fuck off. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, if you're into Zappa, listen to Apostrophe. Yeah, because that's that's your gateway drug. I don't care. I love that album. I don't, that's what, don't, but more, more than the other ones. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is better. I don't tell care. me I'm wrong. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that uh, Hunky Dory album is just, it's fucking spectacular. How long is this song? It's a, it's a bit of a, is it? Is it oh, I think it's maybe five minutes long. It's oh, not it super, Sounds super like it's long. got more going on. Yeah, because there's, there's parts to it again. Like, yeah. you, know, you only, you only kind of get to the chorus in the last minute. Yeah. There's just a load of verses and bridges and nonsense. And then you get two choruses in a row and it's over. See you Pretty later. much. Good night. Anyway, that was Bowie Quicksand. What's your next one? Uh, up until maybe a few hours ago, it was uh, a Tracy Chapman song. Was a Tracy Chapman song. Uh, what is it now Helmet my lover then in the list I was like fuck man we have to do it pull the trigger stage. we have to do it at some stage we have to do it at some stage it's the song Billie Jean by one of the members of the Jackson 5 is it yeah alright uh, M- M- Michael Michael. it was Michael M- M- it was Michael that did it yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is <laughs> this is from Thriller the biggest selling album of all time that doesn't mean it's the best album of all time and Thriller isn't the best album of all time it's not even the best Michael Jackson album of all time. <sighs> but this is the best song of the biggest album of all time, Billie Jean. This is just riffomania. It's so, there's so much going on. It's just so much let going loose, lad, is what it is. He took three weeks to write the bass line alone. Three weeks. He didn't write anything on that. He did. He wrote the bass line on that. Michael Jackson wrote most of the music. Yeah, fucked. I don't believe that. With his mouth. I don't believe it. He did it like... Oh, he does like a Jello way after job all that All right, yeah. but then he, no but he had like tapes and tapes he'd bring to Quincy Jones yeah. I've no easiest and Quincy went oh, I'll get you Michael and just played some except weird. yeah he did except with this song he's like no he, he didn't like shit. that at all then. hated it that's madness Quincy Jones is like this is a very very weak song really weak and it should not only should it not be a single it shouldn't be on a on the album yeah then finally that was, his, that was his whole lunch though wasn't it I, I was watching a thing before where there was a gig with the Jackson 5 Mo, Motown 25 yeah yeah. and he came out and done that song on his own not only that it was it, it was an outrageous performance yeah. and it was the first time that we saw moon, the moonwalk yeah, the moonwalk yeah the moonwalk and you can almost you can't you can almost not be able to hear the song with the amount of people screaming yeah yeah just what's going on this is a moment in musical history that is of like fucking sh- what the fuck scuff funk 
yeah. disco, rhythm and blues. Every bit of it, the drums are hooks. It's perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. He, um, apparently they fought for days, like stopped talking over the song for days, maybe even a couple of weeks, saying, listen, Michael, don't do this. Don't put this out. It's not good. Yeah. So he came back and was, Dan Quincy, I think, I'm said, doing it. You're just ignorant. I want to do my song. <laughs> You're just being ignorant. Oh. Quincy wanted to change the name of it then to Not My Lover. Really? Because it didn't want to get mixed up with Billie Jean King, the yeah, tennis yeah. player. It was usual time. Michael again said, no. 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 You're ignorant. The story behind the lyrics, he, Michael Jackson never went into them. Quincy Jones said... It's, it's, lyrically, lyrically, it's kind of off. It's... Uh, again, it's I listened to it again today. It's a weird theme for a song. But... <laughs> He talk, he's talking about he's talking about Billie Jean is not his lover and then he's saying she's just a friend and then he's like but the child's not mine so is it about like some well is Quin- it about a woman who Quincy saying, Jones this is the funny story Quincy Jones says at the time there was a woman who accused Michael Jackson of fathering one of her twins we now know that's a lie did you hear what he says yeah of fathering one of her twins Imagine. How do you father one of someone's Just twins? Half allowed. It's half a half, half allowed. allowed, yeah. One half it runs down the leg and the other half stays in. That's how it works. But where does the other baby come from? Another allowed she took ten minutes later. Quincy. Do you reckon? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. The song was mixed ninety one times until Michael Jackson was happy. And even by then Quincy I think was on board. So that's why it's one of those songs like a day in the life, like um it's just, you know, from the start of it, sonically, it's, it has its own blueprint, has its own mm. stamp footprint, that every bit of it sounds polished to, not over-polished, just polished to the exact amount that it needs yeah, to be Yeah, it's exactly. There's, nothing, there's no part of that song where you go, that's a bit rough. Yeah, it's just, Jesus Christ, I don't know if there's more of a perfect song, apart from My Maybe Smells Like Teen Spur, or A Day in the Life, all the ones I mentioned, basically. Oh yeah, all yours. Yeah. They were. Nice one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should move off uh, that member of the Jackson 5 called Michael uh, now, probably. Okay. You want my next one? Yeah. My next one, I don't think is a song. I think it's a message from space? No, I think it's a piece of music, but I don't right. think it's a song. All right. And it's DJ Shadow, Building Steam with a Grain of Sand. Yeah, like, when we say song, Yeah. a track. Yeah. Um, That's an incredible piece of music. It's bananas, yeah. 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 That's... um. Uh, 1996 from introducing oh jeez it's not the first time you heard that I think introducing is as important of a crossover album not the genre crossover but in, in terms of getting people who are only into one particular type of music to listen to new types of music yeah I think introducing is as important as music for the Jilted Generation yeah I would say that introducing got people who listen to Metallica to listen to Aphex Twin exactly through that exactly. I honestly think that you're right you're dead right it's an absolute gateway the gateway for people who were into music, who heard something, uh, like it was used for that Guinness ad and yeah. whatever the fuck. Um, but that entire album, that entire album is basically one piece of music. Uh, it doesn't sound, every bit sounds like it's linked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chapter in, in one, one, chapter two. Yeah, yeah, in in one way, shape or form, it's just a continuous album. Now, I found Shadow lost his way very quickly after that. It was a bit of a downhill. Well, I like Uncle a lot. <sighs> Uncle had fun. Um, you could never make that album. He's he done an album called The Outsider, which is more, uh, it's more kind of trappy, hip hop y kind of based than yeah. the classical. He never really went back to that classical style he was known for, for from introducing. That album he, sounds like it took fucking a decade to make. It took him two years to write that song alone. Yeah. Right? Do you know what? There's, there's so much going on yeah. in that album. You could never reproduce that unless you had another 10 years. Also, remember, it's 1996. Digital recording doesn't really exist. So this entire album was made on an Akai sampler. And it sounds great for yeah. it, though. But it has, it has this... It has a grain to it. Because everything is taken off records. Right? Yeah. Every sample came from a record in his collection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, apparently, he's known for having one of the largest record collections in the world. Yeah. And... So everything that's came... the sound of his record That's collection. his record that's collection. That's crazy, isn't it? That's him What does your record collection sound like? Introducing. This. Exactly. So, because it was all done through this fucking Akoi MPC or whatever it was, they have a particular feel because the like, fidelity of the recordings that sampled that, well, they, it was all right. It wasn't super. Yeah. So everything has this feel. And because of that, he's almost mastering on the fly. 
Right, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it doesn't matter. You, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, presumably got it mastered. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Would have yeah. been mastered at the end. But, yeah. but because everything's going through this sampler and it's all being treated in the same process yeah, via the sampler, everything starts taking on a particular kind of audio shape. Yeah. So that's why, like, he was obviously mixing and mastering and throwing it on the tape and messing on the desk and, you know, doing it properly. Um, but that Akai sampler is the. That's the, the keystone of that entire album. The, the, yeah. the reason it sounds that way and it sounds old. It does sounds like an old, like it could be from, genuinely from the 70s. Genuinely. But even the drums that he samples and starts using to lay beats behind some of these samples, like they're fucking filthy. And some of, filthy. Initially, some of them initially sound like they're not even working. Oh yeah. And then they are. Yeah. Like yeah, In particular, the, the reason I picked this song is A, because I think it's one of the best songs ever written. But B, it's a, beautiful example of what shadow was capable of yeah because when he when that when the beat when the drums in this song kick in you you hear another level of kind of dirty fidelity layered on top of what was already mixed and mastered stuff that he's ripped and now he has to do it again and he has to find a way to make it not sound fucking shite like an entire album made from samples is is a difficult thing to do. He was a radio DJ before this. Like, he, mm. I don't think he really had a background in music making. I think he just like messing around. Um, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't know an awful lot about the history of Shadow. I like the then last. Rhythm, got him. Yeah, exactly. Just like Paul Abdul said. Exactly. Oh, hang on, no, Gloria Estefan. Mm. Someone, someone said the rhythm was going to get you. His, he got caught. His last, uh, his last album, uh, I think, it was called uh, Mountain Will Fall, and then he done an EP called The Mountain Has Fallen. And that's excellent. Really? That's really good. That has Nas on. It has a track with Nas. It has a uh, track with Killer Mike. has a track with Danny Brown. Um, it's him providing kind of hip-hop uh, backing tracks for rappers. And then right. he records it and brings it back into the studio and cuts it up and starts kind of nice. fucking with it. And it's super. I think it's only four or five songs. But that, that to me will be the one after introducing literally his first and his last. A lot of dirt in there as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I think he just he had a big following and off he went and he just banged out whatever he wanted to yeah. do. I went to see him in the ambassador years ago and it was him and like Cook Chemist or something like that. And it was one of those they were doing this tour where they wanted people to bring in records. And the whole idea was you just threw records up on the stage. And him and Cook Chemist just doing like a four-hour set of messing with people's records. They had a, they had a bag full of their own Sounds stuff. Sounds like a great idea. Zero crack. It yeah. was <laughs> fucking shite. It was fucking shite. Um, so it's one of them things that could go very wrong. <laughs> it went wrong. Incredible. It went wrong. Um, there's some videos online because they're doing a big tour. And what they would do then, I, I believe, is that if they got something up good, that they discovered something cool, but they keep that for the next show. Yeah. So they had a couple of records that they had, they were writing on the fly, songs they were writing on the fly, and then they would take stuff. Now, nine times out of ten, they're just, whack, 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 just scratching, you know what I mean? You do that with a, a, a recording any... of a fart on a record, yeah. you know? Um, but it wasn't good, and I really wanted to see DJ Shadow, and I did, but I didn't get anything that I wanted out of it. I didn't get any of the songs that I wanted to hear, you know? No, none of them. Zero. Zero. Uh, I hate when you pay for an experiment. I didn't pay for it, it was fine. All right, Grant. Well, you, you take your time to go. I was still sick. Experiment that doesn't. I was still sick. Anyway, that was DJ Shadow building steam with a grain of sand off introducing. What's yours? My next one is Three Days by Jane's Addiction. Off the album Ritual de lo Habitual. I always have trouble saying that. Yeah, me no, too. It's not the Los Ritual Habitales something something. 1990. Jesus. This is that 1990? Is, is it? Yeah. Mm. Everyone knows them for being caught stealing. That's the rope a dope song. Yeah. Gets them into it. Yep. And all of a sudden, holy fuck. That album is that I feel about this way album as some people I, I listen when I listen to this album I think I hear what morons hear when they listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. They they I, I thought that today when I was listening to it. These are like in a super advanced musical version of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. You know Ta- what I mean? talented version. Yeah. Now I know Red Hot Chili Peppers had a good album or two. I hate them but I don't care. Yeah. This is when they were being when they were being reviewed. That's the band that would come all time. Red Chili Peppers, Red Chili Peppers. There's so much more going on. There's a lot more going on. Yeah, they're just. um, This song is Jesus touching eleven minutes. Yeah, three days. You feel every minute of it. (laughs) Fuck off. You feel. I'm not saying it's bad. You feel every minute of it. And um, so three days. It has three parts, loosely based on three days that he spent with two of his girlfriends. 
Yeah, he talks about uh, that a lot. In the and that's the album cover. Yeah. That's the famous album cover. Yeah. And uh, made love three times, three different ways. Yeah. All right. He's kind of, kind of boasting. Oh, I couldn't do it. Just be lucky to get one out nowadays. <laughs> and a good, good sleep and a bowl of pasta afterwards. So the story behind this is that when they were writing music, he goes, I want to write like a freeboard or an Aerosmith dream on, or a, I think Navarro might have said, yeah, or a Stairway to Heaven. So they wanted a big epic. To me, that song blows all them songs out of water, including Stairway. This song is just the absolute jewel in the crown of... So, obviously I've spoken about Disintegration and OK Computer mm. being my favourites. This is this would make the three best albums of all time for me. Mm. This album has everything in it. It's got punk. starts off very punky. Then by the end of it, it's just psychedelic, mad rock. Mm. It just does so many things. But this song is the absolute jewel in the crown of it. I can't... Uh, I can't say enough about how good it is. It, it takes too long to explain all the bits that are going on. I'm not yeah. going to do that. It's way, it's, it's, it takes 10 minutes to listen to the cover. Exactly, yeah. Um, I, I kept thinking it was over. Yeah. Like I, I, I might have heard the song a million years ago, but it, it didn't leave an impression it wouldn't on me have back been, then. It wouldn't have been a single. It wouldn't yeah. have even been... It's, it's just considered buying that album yeah. listen to that album. Um, it's considered one of their best songs, but like yeah. it's one of the hidden, not the hidden ones. It's, it's not going to ever get played on radio. It's so let, nearly 11, yeah. 11 minutes wrong. All done in one take. Fucking hell. Madness. That's the bit that still shocks me. That's bananas. One take they did that, it's and it's, that's why it's so raw. That whole album is raw. It's absolute drug fueled madness, but but done by incredible musicians and an unreal singer. His lyrics are decent. I think Perry Farrell's mm. lyrics are, are perfect for the for the band that it is. <laughs> the fact that it was done in, in a one take still gives me the shivers to even think about. Mm. I'd love to have been. I'd love to see that being done. Um. They don't they can gig anymore or anything like that, did they? Two bits every now and again. They did a, an anniversary of this album, a 30 year anniversary of this album a while ago, I think. Was it, hang on, 1990. What would that make it if it was two years ago, three years ago? Whatever. Did an anniversary and I had tickets in London, I couldn't go. Mm. Hey, that. You see, when it comes to gigs abroad, yeah. shit can get thrown up I real quick. I just don't do it. Um, I'm still devastated. They did a gig with Nine Inch Nails. I missed that. In, that was in Marty Park or something like that. Really? Where they played this song. So I'm forever going to be... You're just going to miss it. And now his voice isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Navarro's probably off whittling a little bit. No, he still holds it down. He's still fine. He's a phenomenal fucking guitar player. Navarro's very good. There's, all the guitar work on this and the drums on this are absolutely stellar. Hmm. It's genuinely... Put this beside the Beatles and Pink Floyd and stuff like that. For me, I know a lot of people listen to it before some go now, but even in the context of the album, which is a perfect album, there's not one shit song on it. Mm. Three Days will always be. I don't just think it's one of my favorite songs. I do genuinely think musically it's one of the best songs yeah. ever written. So that's why I picked it. Mm. What's your. Um, you have a next one. What is it? Heavy here, I know. It's the Beach Boys, God Only Knows. Yeah. Jesus. <sighs> there's another blueprint for pop music. God Almighty. The. the, the History behind the song is just very storied. It's like... This is when they fucked off on them, isn't it? Kind of, kind of. It's it's weird. But first of all, it was written by Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. Yeah. And originally, in America, it was the B-side for Wouldn't It Be Nice. Yeah, right. Everywhere else in the world, it was the A-side. Right? It just goes to show you what it's like. Um... Instrument wise, they used mad shit. They I know, used yeah. fucking French horns, sleigh bells, harpsichords, fucking you name it. Um, Rolling Stone voted this in the top twenty five best songs of all time uh, for good reason. It's it's again. There's no point in saying any song of this is, isn't perfect to us, but it, this is one of those apex fucking songs. Yeah. It's outrageous. Apparently, Wilson got stoned one night and just sat in front of a piano, and the song just fucking fell out of him. Well, they. The, they were supposed to go on tour. This mm. album nearly never happens. The whole album nearly never happens. He doesn't like flying. Doesn't like flying. Doesn't really like gigging it. Looks at eating ice cream a lot. Yeah, but they all. He had to sit down with the band and go. Listen, I have a fucking something to tell you. I'm not going to Tokyo. Mm. I'm not going. Mm. You just can go. And they were like, "You're fucking taking the piss." Because listen, I promise you, when you just come back, I'll have a lot of songs for you. A fucking yeah. Mm. And they came back, and. Uh, <laughs> he had the album to end all albums they ready it. they hated it they all went get that get, what well, the fuck is this Brian yeah forget it this is shit his dad who was the manager I think yeah. oh, 
not the manager at the time, he was, he had just been fired as the manager, said, basically, you're a fucking disappointment to me when they heard all this, all these well. songs. Whereas the rest of the people on the album, all the people he heard to do, all those French runs and all, were going, yeah. this is going to change music. That's well, fucked up, isn't it? What's interesting is that when they were recording this, there was 23 musicians in the studio when they recorded this this song. Yeah. Right? The Rolling Stones were there. So across the board, yeah. everybody was there. Um, the that music, uh, studio session crew, the wrecking crew, provided a lot of music for it. Yeah. Um, unusually, sang by Carl Wilson. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, right. He was the guitarist. He was the musical director for the for the Beach Boys. Yeah. But uh, Brian didn't think his voice suited it. So he got Carl in. He got Carl to sing it. Um, and Carl is the one that he got on with. Yeah. The, one of the things that is important about this song is that the way they used the actual recording studio itself, the recording studio became an instrument. Yeah. Much in the same way we talked about the Beatles earlier where they were messing with the, the yeah. technical ability of the yeah. studio. The actual studio became an instrument. It's the way they, the way they bounced tracks around, they'd record whatever, eight at a go and then bounce it all down to one. But they had to make sure before it was bounced that all the levels were 100%. And they had to remember what all those levels were before they recorded again. The yeah. So the studio became this they were messing with microphones, they were messing with fucking uh, the, the tape recorders. Open the piano and up hitting yeah. it with different fucking... They, they opened the piano and they duct taped the tops of soda bottles to the strings. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, to get this, that weird bling, 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 yeah. bling, bling type of feel out of it. So they, they super glued and duct taped, like they cut up soda, like the tops of Coke bottles and stuck them on the strings that they wanted. So it got more of a kind of harpsichord percussive feel to it and uh, the, the strings wouldn't uh, reverberate as much yeah. like the the song itself is just fucking it's perfect pop isn't it absolutely outrageous like I, I find it hard to fucking describe I don't think the album did very well initially that album was I think one of those kind of forgotten jam albums it was the, the fans didn't like it Beast, the Beach Boys didn't, I was just the Beastie Boys didn't like it I'd say the Beastie Boys. Like, I, the I, rest of the Beastie say, Boys. i say that a lot, to be brutally honest with you. Do you say that? I, I, I love that Beastie Boys song, Sabotage. <laughs> God only knows <laughs> I would love a sabotage. <laughs> um, I can't stand it. It's fucking crazy that Pet Sounds, one of the most influential albums of all mm. time, was just, not at the time, wasn't very... Well, it was a departure for them. You consider that they kind of started uh, rip, ripping off other artists and doing yeah, sh- exactly. shitty fucking surf songs. Um, and eventually became The Force. The yeah. force of pop music in the world, like, and uh, took their fans with them. Didn't lose fans from not even surf music. No, grew their fucking. And audience. When, it, when it starts getting picked up on the radio, people start to see. Okay, one hundred. Also, good vibrations is on the album. Outrageous. So that's that's a good pop single for them to hook yeah, into. Exactly. Good vibrations is on that, isn't it? It is. Uh, Fuck no. Could be. I can't remember. That's that album is Jesus Christ. It, yeah, the start to finish, it's it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, the B side for wouldn't it be nice. So wouldn't it be nice has has kind no, of no good vibrations, isn't it? It wouldn't it be nice. It's not yeah. I'm thinking of wouldn't, it be, the, wouldn't be nice. Is would be would be their surfiest song on that album. I yeah, think, you know? they needed a they needed a beat. they had a little little yeah Ooh, have a little bit of this you know and then hit them with the fucking with the yeah. hee hee because it's all songs about like being depressed on it. Of course like, it is. And they're like, what are you doing, Brian? Singing songs about being sad. Yeah, and he's like. Just because we're in California doesn't mean... Yeah, we have to be happy all the time. Also, I'm fucking miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute state me. Yeah. Anyway, that was uh, that was the Beach Boys. Uh, what's your next one? This is my last one, I your think. Your last one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. This has got to be the oldest song we've ever done. 1939, Strange Fruit by Billy Holiday. Goddamn. Scary fucking song, man. Terrifying. Terrifying. Talking about fucking rotten flesh falling off bodies and shit in it. Yeah. Like... I didn't know about this song was. I knew obviously Billy Holiday didn't write it. No one wrote songs back then, really. They got they had songwriters and they had singers yeah. and they had producers and they had session musicians. Like Nicky Minaj. happened, yeah. I didn't know it was. This song was written by a white fella. Really, it was a poem. It was a poem by Abel Mirpol, All right. a Jewish uh, kind of activist poet who was at the time just going all these lynchings and this racism is absolutely completely out of hand. Just absolutely completely out of hand. So he wrote this. I think he shipped it around to make it a song and nobody was interested in it. So he wrote the music himself and he gave it to Laura Duncan. It somehow got performed then, I think, in uh, 
It was getting performed all around America. They mm-hmm. finally got done in Madison Square Garden. I think it might have been Billy Holiday's manager or one of one of our friends said, "You have to hear this. I need to do this song." Mm. So she heard it. Went right. We're doing this song. Brought it to. Uh, I think she was with. I'm gonna say Capital. She was with Capital Records. I'm not 100 percent sure. Could have been. No, Columbia. She was Columbia, and she said, um, "I want to do this song." And they went, "Yeah, you can definitely do that. You're not doing it with us, though." Have the uh, best crack somewhere else. And your producer, the producer said, oh, "Again, I'm not." Touching that with a fucking really? barge pole. Absolutely not going anywhere near that. So she got a one day, like, let off from the studio to go and do it somewhere else. Hmm. But thinking in their, in their head, they were thinking, right, if she does this and it gets massive, she's still our artist. Yeah. If it falls on its arse and people hate it, go, we oh, we, we, we don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nothing to do with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So it's also one of the only jazz songs I'll ever pick. I'm not a big, big, not a big fan of jazz. Hmm. Ah, I, I, you know what? It's such a stupid thing to say. Not like reggae where all reggae and scar shit. <laughs> jazz is jazz is different. It has so many facets to it that yeah. this is the kind of stuff I would. Um Lyrically th- it's dark as fuck. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves, blood in the rue, black bodies swinging from the at the southern breeze, strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Hairy as fuck. Jesus Christ. Like, that's that that song has the the grain of that song, like the, the patina of it, mm. is is almost as important as the actual music. Like when it comes on and you hear the crackle and pop yeah. and the noise. Exactly, it has to be that like, old. Yeah. And Nina Simone did a brilliant one as well. Yeah. It's arguably on par. Some people prefer yeah. it, Grant. I, I picked this one. It's the original, not the, well, not the original song, but it's the original yeah. recording of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, apparently when she... I think when she wanted to play this live, she was still... Because of the whole story with mm. the song... She was terrified of it causing uproar when she played it really? in clubs. So what they would do is she'd play it last. Oh, get ready to leg it. Get ready to leg it. Um, but she also wanted it to feel dark, so all the waiters would have to stop serving. The bar closed. All the lights went out except for one on her. Christy Moore job. Yeah, absolutely. Christy, Christy Moore. She Christy Moore it, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell. Morris then, then she sang it and then poof, gone. Out. Peace out, drop the mic. Peace out. That song is being covered. But like I said, Nina Everyone, Simone. yeah. UB40 tried to kill the world. Yeah, you were mad for UB40. I picked one song on the team. Well, you've talked about them twice in this podcast alone. Yeah, I, I hate them. Mm. But they covered it. Jeff Buckley, Susie and the Banshees. And then, of course, it's sampled on Yeezus' album. Yep. Uh, it's ter- oh, that's the Nina Simone, I think, uh, one that's covered on that. But Strange Fruit, when you hear it, it's, uh, it's hard to get away from how horrible and creepy it is. Yep. And uh, it's protests. Protest song, yeah, it is. It's a terrible song in its theme, <laughs> its theme and content. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it still, for me, goes down as this is what music is for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is what music is for, and it definitely is in my volume one of the greatest songs yes, ever yeah. written. Also, let, let us point this out: volume two doesn't mean that volume one is better than it. No, We're just continuing not. on. Yeah. Right, we've and only got we've only got tiny little brains that remember so much. After this, we're going to walk away going, oh, you know what would have been better. Yeah. So it's not. It's just the first collection. Yeah. We're going to have to do a whole podcast on like best fart noises just to reset the brain. Exactly. Yeah. And just then, <laughs> then come back into it. Look, there was a full day's research in this podcast for me. Yeah, there was a lot of it. And just even listening to the songs over again yeah. and, and trying to... I tried to, I tried to listen to them, especially stuff like Smells Like Teen Spirit and the End of Life with fresh ears, as in, if I had just found this CD, I tried yes. to put it to me, if I had just found this CD, yep. what would I be feeling... And uh, so Strange Fruit would mm. be one of the ones I would have listened to over the course of my life least on this. But I still... Because it's not fucking easy to listen to. Of course it's not. It's not something you stick on in the yeah. car. It's not something you stick on, the, on a sunny day. It also sonically doesn't match 99% of the stuff you're going to listen to. It's yeah. it's much lower because it wasn't fucking mastered. Yeah. Any version uh, of you get that, that, It all works for it. And, it all yeah. works for it. There's certain magic in all these... There's, there's a certain amount of things that happened during the recording of all these songs that was magic. A certain amount of luck maybe as well. Yeah. But you, uh, you have one left, don't you? I've got one left and I'm doing it. Doing it. I'm doing it. And it's uh, Paranoid Android by Radiohead. Possibly one of the best songs of all time. Yeah. What do you mean possibly? I was going to say possibly the best song of all time. It's, it's definitely one of the best. Definitely yeah. one of the best. That's why it's on our list. I'm yeah. call, I, I had to call it. Uh, I was going to go... I, to be honest with you, as much as we give out about reggae, we probably talk about OK Computer being one of, if not their best album for us ever recorded. Because of that, it would be very easy to take your pick from multiple songs on that. And album. Especially ones that, yeah, yeah, like I said, favourite. 
when you hear Paranoid Android album, you think, there's Paranoid Android. Exactly. You're not always yeah. taking it in until the very end of the song where you're forced to take it in. Yeah. It, 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 this is the... This is the main flag in the ground for this yeah. album, and it's it's fucking outrageous. It's revolutionary, so yeah, it's it's recorded in four parts. Um, it's fucking mad. The name, the name, you know, where the name comes from. No, and he found this out. The name comes from Douglas Adams, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. There's a character in it called Marvin, the paranoid android. Oh, I knew. I heard Marvin. Yeah, the thing and with the big head. I think so. Right. I've never read that shit. I watched that. I'm not into it. It's too nerdy it's for too me. British. It's too British. You know, it's too it's, British. It's too British and it's yeah. too close to fucking Doctor Who for me. Yeah, I can't do Doctor Who either. Too British. No. Just Some things are, you know what? Red Dwarf is the furthest I can go. That's it. Shields up after that. Once it becomes too British, the, the music, beco- or the, 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 the humor becomes too British. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I yeah. I, I've had time with fucking uh, the nights you say nah and all that shit as well. Yeah. Like, Monty Point? Like, yeah, yeah. I've had time with that. I don't with that because it's surreal. Once it's surreal, I don't mind. Yeah. do all day surreal. Anyway, but yeah. This was the lead singer of OK Computer in 1997. Uh, the, the song is in four sections. The original version of the song was 14 minutes long. And they cut it down to like six and a half. Yeah, um, you know what? It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been amazing at that length. I think on that the the leak that they're now selling. Yeah, the, there there is the big joint versions of it. It's not just parts, or is it actually thrown together? No, that's that, that's. Um, uh, I think there was like sixty or seventy mini discs recorded, and X amount of them got stolen and leaked. So yeah, you, you, we don't have the whole picture, but um, somewhere in those studio kind of live recordings, there yeah. is the framework for that 14 minute one hmm. doing the round um, the album including this single was re- recorded in uh, Jane Seymour's mansion in Somerset Jane Seymour from uh, Live and Let Die East of Eden so on and so forth the actress yeah. um, they took her mansion and at gunpoint at fucking I don't think the lads from Radiohead have guns and yeah. anyway Tom York's got Gammy he wouldn't be able to shoot straight anyway <laughs> um yeah, uh, the first version six uh, 14 minutes long. It's been covered by System of a Down and Weezer in the past. Hang on, System of a Down covered Paranoid Android. Yep. I have to find that. Yep. Weezer version can fuck off. They can probably actually just, fuck They probably off. just tried to copy the exact thing. Apparently, that's what I read online, that the Weezer version of it was not very well received because they just played it. But they're not a good cover they're, band. They're not a good band. They're not a good band. Well, I don't like, I've said it before, yeah. I don't like Weezer. It's fucking too nerdy and, and geeky for me. And I don't mind nerdy and geeky stuff if it has an edge to it. Um, college radio music all their covers are fucking just by numbers they just do it by numbers yeah, just they, do it they What's never the throw any any kind of pizzazz in well, they can barely put their own stamp on their own songs nowadays so yeah, yeah. don't get me wrong I'm not a big Weezer fan but they, they definitely have a lot of songs that are, are fucking great and fun and mm. whatever but it wouldn't be I'm not doing backflips that is, there is two people I would never have thought covered this song System of Down and Weezer, yeah, covered it. Um, yes. There's recordings of them doing the round somewhere as well. I don't think they're studio recordings. They could be. They could. They could well be live ones. I'm not entirely la, sure. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, it took the band a year and a half to learn how to play that song live. A year and a half. To I learn can well how to imagine play. that. Yeah. I've seen live footage. I, I love Radiohead. Oh, yeah, I've, I've till, seen some shocking yeah. versions of this live. I'm going to tell you straight up now, I will never, I have never, nor will I ever go and see Radiohead live. I won't do it. They played it really well in Dublin. They did. I can't. I can't. I've watched too many live versions of it being a fucking, an absolute abortion. You know, you might, maybe it's one of those things where you have to be there. You're talking about phones, phones versions. I've seen, de- I've seen and heard desk recordings and like glass, glass though, fucking stage cams and drones and shit, all desk recordings. Mm. And it was still fucking garbage. And I, it, not just because of that song, but there's loads, loads of stuff where his voice just shits the bed. Or yeah. Guitars or they, are out of tune. Try a few things that they shouldn't. Oh, try. I just played a fucking album. I know. You yeah. wrote the best album of all time. Stop adding a little whittle into it that you've been you've been worrying about for it twenty years. People off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I really want to do this in the studio, but fucking Greg won't let me. You know what well, I mean? Well, don't do don't it. Don't do it then, you prick. Just yeah. play the song. I have to say, Dublin, I thought they did a great job of it, but yeah. Good. I, have, I have also seen Good. shocking versions yeah. of it. Every version I've seen online has been an abortion, and it's put me off ever bothering my actual hole to go and see Radiohead Live. <laughs> like, my favourite album of all time, and they will most certainly play a lot of songs from it, and I still won't go. But I, I, for me, Paranoid Android, it's just an absolute an emotional roller coaster of a song that changes directions it, it changes directions in the way like, like bad brains changed directions where 
like tempos were just on a dime spin. Yeah. And there might not be any lead up to a whole kind of big changeover. But when the changeover happens, it's so natural and works so well that you're not put off. And you're like when you when you've listened to the song a million times like we have you still welcome those changes yeah. and you can't wait for the next bit because every, everybody has their favourite bit of Paranoid Android. You know, it's like yeah. a novel. Every, everybody has their favourite part. Solos are like, incredible. It, there's nothing bad for me. Like, my, I like the, the kind of query fucking, yeah. like that makes the hairs on the back of my dick stand straight up. The rain down. Bit. Yeah. It's just... There's so much bitterness and spite in the it, song as well. He's real raspy yeah. in it. Real fucked off. And he said himself that lyrically it's really about nothing. It's garbage. People have taken it upon themselves to say it's like a kind of anti-establishment, political, that whole album. A lot of their it. songs are uh, social paranoia and yeah. uh, anxiety. Yeah, gammy eyes. Gammy eyes. Yeah, yeah, you know, little small, weird looking fella. Having loads of money but really not, not what to do Pretending with Pretending you don't, <laughs> you know. Get, get buying an old pair of runners and just dragging them behind you for a week before. I'll give it to the Radiohead though. They give it a lot of money to do a lot for charity. Good. So that's what needs to happen more. Um, <laughs> I am registering myself as a charity very soon. Uh, willing to take on some of those uh, that, those uh, Radiohead dollars. You just do a Patreon where you get your nips out. It's been Altgar. Altgar. I'm an Altgar. Yeah. Fifteen quid a month, lads. I show you my nips. I show you everything for fifteen quid a month. <laughs> No worries. Yeah, but you'll do it on day one and you'll never get it. I'll, literally, I'll just blow my wad on day one. Never get it. I reckon you can schedule posts on Patreon. That'll do it. Once a month, I can pay, take new angled pictures of my horrible nipples. Anyway, that was uh, volume one of oh, best songs ever. Um, if you don't agree with it, that's cool. You could tell us if you wanted. Um, you should. We'll, we'll try and, and deal with your uh, nonsense in a kind of practical and nice way. Can't guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> people were people called our controversial likes playlist the worst playlist ever. Well, that's what I said. In to look at it, you would think it, but the idea of it is to listen to it. Yeah, or, or at least listen to us. Listen to the podcast Jesus, and then yeah. listen to the fucking listen to the playlist. You I hate saying this, but ninety percent of people just look at what the playlist and, uh, yeah. then, and then comment. That's all. That's all. I know that song. No, we're talking about weird shit in the, about those songs. Yeah, you that, might. Paint well, a whole new picture. Especially with that controversial likes one. Absolutely. It's, it's us, us naked. In, naked in front yeah. of the world. Going, listen, we're going to admit to liking this. Because, well, that, that and me and you don't really care when we get slagged. Because we're really good at it. And people are normally afraid to slag us. Because they know that when they give us a 1 out of 10, we give them a 10 or 11 out of 10 back. And it's, make them cry. And it's make them sad. cry. So, I'm actually, I'm sick of making people cry at this stage. Uh, yeah. Thinking about taking a break. Anyway, that's it. Uh, this week's, we'll be back uh, next week with some fresh, delicious choice cuts and lovely playlists. Go on. For you. <laughs>